The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2. I'm Annie Mills and joining me this week we have freelance writer and analyst David Astill and also with us we have our European expert Mia Eriksson. Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast. Hey Annie. Hello, thanks for having me back. We've got lots to talk about today so let's have a look back at the Champions League qualifiers. Make sure you listen to our special edition podcast where we were at the first leg of Manchester United's first ever game in Europe as they entertained PSG. That game finished 1-1 with Melvin Mallard equalising Tabitha Chewinga's opener. David, what did you make of the result? Who do you think will be happier with that? It's a difficult one because you would think United would be happier with the fact of draw. They can go to Paris. It's still in their hands. Um, but you'd also think, you know, the way that United played last season and obviously PSG had a bit of a turnaround with players and things like that, it, you know, it's... It's one of those games where probably a draw perhaps suited both teams. And, and like I said, they can go back to Paris now and they've got, you know, they're both still in the tie. Neither's got huge kind of uh, big default to make up or anything like that. So it kind of leaves it nice and open. Do you think Mark Skinner feels like they can go there and win? Oh, 100% he does. I mean, he said just as much in, in all his press conferences and everything. Um, but I, I think genuinely he does, you know, you look at United's signings and, and the players they've brought in and you, you, you think they, could, they actually can take on anyone. Whether they can win or not is another matter, obviously, but they have certainly got the players and they have bought the players in that they need. So, um, yeah, I, I I think he does. And, and I, I wouldn't put it past him to really challenge PSG in Paris. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Obviously, PSG going into this game on the back of some controversy as their league game on Saturday at home to Rams was first moved from their normal home ground at the training ground due to fungus growing in the grass. Then fireworks were thrown into the stadium early in the second half with the game at nil-nil. And in the end, the game was abandoned. Mia, do you think that that could have been a bit of an unwelcome distraction for PSG going into this game? Well, it's not uh, very common in women's football that that happens. And I know that I might get slaughtered for that for saying that uh, um could can be a sensitive topic for many people but um i think i'm not even sure what the circumstances were around uh, this situation i heard that uh, it wasn't like the fireworks uh, weren't for the football game because it was outside the stadium and so on and so on but I do think that in in circumstances we talk about uh, distractions and and what uh, the Champions League qualifiers can in what can we measure uh, the team's abilities um, so early into the season. I don't think that these types of distractions should be welcomed at all. Obviously, but uh, I, I think. The Champions League qualifiers are very interesting in so many ways now because we we can see that um, I would say uh, that the league football suffers from uh, the Champions League qualifiers. I'm pretty sure that Manchester United fans would agree with me uh, considering their result against Leicester this weekend. Other notable results saw last season's finalists Wolfsburg play out an entertaining 3-3 draw at Paris FC. 
Glasgow City lost at home to Norwegian side Bran 4-0. Real Madrid beat Valerenga 2-1 and Benfica and Ajax both had bigger away wins 7-0 and 6-0 respectively. Mia, what else caught your eye in the first leg? Well, I think there are there's so many things to talk about when it comes to the Champions League qualifiers. But but football wise, I must say I was very impressed by SK Bram, uh, Martin Ho's side <laughs> going to Glasgow. Just like his game plan, that was pretty much much perfect. It was a very enjoyable game to watch, uh, and I'm very glad for for Scandinavian teams to do well uh, in the competition. Um, I also obviously watched both Sweden club teams uh, qualifiers, um, Beko Hecken against Twente and FC Rosengård against um, Subutica. Um, and this is what I meant, because when, when you go back and look at <laughs> the league football uh, at the weekend, you could really see that uh, Rosengård, they, they really... I mean, they, they pretty much uh, put out their B team uh, against Hammarby, uh, who is the top team um, during the weekend and uh, was actually up for discussion among some journalists here in Sweden that that was not good for the end race uh, in the Dahmal Svenskan for FC Rosengård to do that. But, but then again, they are not in competition to reach the Champions League qualifiers next season because they are too far behind now. Uh, and obviously, it it's very important for them to 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 reach the group stage uh, in this qualification. But I think that this is this is something very it's not interesting, but yet interesting for the Scandinavian teams because of our how our seasons uh, are scheduled. Uh, we are at the end of our season, um, and many of the other teams they are they are at the beginning of of their season. So. Well, uh, FC Rosengård lost to Hammarby 5-1, and that's that was their biggest loss uh, at home um, ever, I think. So was also headlines here. It's good to hear your perspective on it as well. The WSL kicked off around three on Saturday evening with Chelsea hosting West Ham at Kings Meadow. After sitting out their first game of the season due to injury and taking up a place on the bench for their second game, Sam Kerr finally grabbed her first goal of the season this weekend before Erin Cuthbert wrapped it up with a second in the final minute. There was also a welcome return to action for Fran Kirby, although Emma Hayes did warn that she might not be a regular starter just yet. Mia, how did Chelsea look to you going into this game? I think Chelsea looked uh, how they always look at the beginning of every season. Uh, slow starter slot starting um i know that they have they always have a lot of like big names uh, in the attacking lineup and everything but i don't think that they create that much um at the beginning of this season and i don't think they did last season as well um i mean obviously <laughs> People usually jokes about uh, Chelsea having having an easy game against West Ham all the time when when they go up against them uh, because when Chelsea versus West Ham is in the schedule we expect uh, hat tricks and so on and so on but I I don't think that people should read too much into the beginning of the season for the region champions of England. Uh, 
they did what they were supposed to do. They grabbed the three points, but not that impressive football. I don't know about you, David, but I mean, I, I'm, I don't think the Chelsea machine have um, started running yet. Yeah, no, I can I completely agree. I don't think Chelsea are quite there yet in terms of getting it full full throttle, if you like. Um, yeah, and last season I thought the same. I thought it just looked a little bit stale and at times, a little bit kind of, I don't know, football by numbers, if you like. Uh, there wasn't too much creativity. Um, but having said that, you know, winning titles when you're not playing at your best shows, what a good team they are. So some, I suppose in that sense, we should congratulate them. But yeah, I completely agree that the, the quality of the football is perhaps not always there that, that we do expect from Chelsea, given the, the, the squad that they have. On quality of football, though, Rianne Skinner described her side as outstanding. Would you both agree with that and see some positives coming from their team this season? I already have. I, I think West Ham actually have started really, really well. I know the results haven't necessarily been what they would have hoped, but the performances I think have been there and you, you look at the the way that Rico, Rico Uweki has started uh, at West Ham I think she's been really impressive she's really kind of led that line well um, she's dropping into pockets of space she's allowing others to make runs um, beyond her um, Emma Harris I thought actually looked really really good uh, at the weekend as well um, and yeah I, I think actually they've started really well and and I've got hopes that you know, they'll be mid-table-ish, but they'll have a positive mid-table rather than last season, which kind of just petered out into nothingness, really, didn't it? Yeah, I, I actually, I, I do agree with uh, everything David just said, but I also like the fact that uh, a team like West Ham could also attack against Chelsea, if that ma makes any sense, because usually when we see um, Chelsea play uh, a team in the likes of West Ham uh, it's it's all about possession for, for Chelsea and even though Sechira Musovic didn't have a, a lot to do uh, it still shows some glimpses of of what West Ham probably could achieve this season football wise so i'm excited to see what Rian Skinner can can do with this West Ham side Chelsea are third on goal difference in the table and it's Man City who are now top after putting five past Bristol City. Jill Road and Bunny Shaw each scored twice and Leia Alexandri also weighed in with the goal. All the goals came in the first half and all of them are surprisingly headers as well. David, do you think City's lack of signings has meant that they've kind of hit the ground running this season because they've had a stable team that they're used to playing with compared to other teams who have brought in a lot of signings and kind of waiting for their old and new players to gel together? Yeah, I do, 100%. Um, and I think Gareth Taylor, is, is, he said that himself. You know, they, they've they had their summers when they've brought in lots of players. They've had their summers of kind of transition. He said, you know, we, we've had that. And this season was about getting that stability. So that's why they didn't go too big in the transfer market. Um, the one player that they did bring in, obviously, Jill Rawls, I think was a fantastic signing. She's a really kind of creative attacking player that, that I think they needed. That kind of Georgia Stanway-ish type, type player, kind of robust making challenges, scoring goals, setting up chances, things like that. Um, and and yeah, absolutely. I, I think this summer was kind of just about building on what they've got, but not not changing too much, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, I, I I think they've started well. And certainly, you know, the 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 way they're scoring goals and they've got lots of players scoring goals, um, you know, they're all being shared around. And also the fact that you look at uh their result last weekend against Chelsea and and you know, they, they did play quite well in that one, despite the um, obvious 
shall we say, questionable yellow card uh, to Alex Greenwood, um, which I know has been discussed to death, so I won't. But um, but yeah, you, you get a point from that one. Then you look at the results in this one, you start to put together actually Man City are, are in a bit of form at the minute and I wouldn't count them out of challenging once again at the top of the table. I was going to say last season they didn't, you could say they didn't really, like they weren't really up there challenging for the title, whereas this season potentially they could be again. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, they do look like they just stepped it up a little bit at the start of the season. Uh, but obviously, it's a very, very long season. So, you know, we, we've seen them have positive starts and drop off. We've seen them have bad starts and pick up. So it's, it's a long way to go and they just need to keep the foot on the gas. On the other side of it, Bristol City, it's looking like it could be quite a long season for them. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, sadly, I think they... They bought well in terms of they brought quality into the squad, but what they're missing for me is WSL experience. They don't really have that many players with experience of the league. I think you've only got one or two, maybe Megan Connolly, obviously, has been there for a while at Brighton. Uh, Amelie Thestrup, who's had a couple of spells with, uh, she had a loan spell at West Ham, but the other spell with Liverpool was in the Championship, so she hasn't really got that much top flight experience. Um, Amy Rogers had a little bit with Liverpool, but never really established herself in the side, but she's a player I do like. Um, Jamie Lee Napier as well but as I say what you're lacking in all those names really is top flight experience and that for me could count against them. The lunchtime kickoff on Sunday saw Manchester United host surprise package Leicester. It was the Foxes who took the lead on the hour mark through Eileen Whelan. May Leticia equalised seven minutes later. A blow from Mark Skinner was losing some recruit Gabby George early on with Skinner saying the prognosis did not look good. David, Skinner was quite critical, saying they didn't do enough in the final third. Do you think they might have had one eye on Wednesday as well? Yeah, possibly. Um, and you, you can kind of forgive them for that because it is such a big time Wednesday and it's something they've never never done before. So they're obviously going to be really excited about it, really looking forward to it and obviously want to do really well in it, especially as they know, like I said at the start of the show, that they are still in the tie. It's not, it's not beyond them. Um, but yeah, I mean, they didn't play great. Um, and Leicester did well and deserved the point because I thought they they actually attacked really well. Um, but yeah, you can you can completely forgive them for having one eye on Wednesday and and perhaps that's what they need they need to get used to is you know juggling different different leagues and competitions because if they are going to be in, if they do reach the Champions League group stage they are going to have to do a lot of that um, as fans of Chelsea and Arsenal and and uh, you know other teams like Man City have been there in the past um, will know. You know, you have to get used to your kind of rotations and juggling and, and having different priorities at different times and things like that. So they'll they'll get used to it. I mean, they're still new to the Champions League. They're still new to this whole kind of balancing act and everything. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Do you think this was a shock result or do you think maybe people underestimating Leicester? Um, I mean, I've watched a lot of Leicester. Um, and it helps. I obviously live in Leicestershire, so um, yeah, sort of my local side. So I have had one night, one close eye on them. Um, I've been really, really impressed with Leicester, and and I do think they are perhaps going under the radar a little bit. And I think some, I think it's good. It just comes down to the, the players they've brought in. I think Uterantula for me is the one that's really, really good because she's kind of added what they were missing last season. And you can see in that first game against Bristol that she made the difference after coming off the pitch, started getting those holes and started to link play in ways that they weren't doing beforehand. So, yeah, for me, I think Leicester are one to keep an eye on. And, and 
I'm not I'm not going to say they're going to go off and win the title because realistically they probably won't. But at the minute, whilst they're playing very well and they're getting these results, and it was it was a good point for them at United. You know, that's you know a, a really really solid result for them. Um, but I, I think for the minute, you know, fans can dream of just going into each game, just attacking, just doing what they're doing, and and see what happens. Yeah. The Merseyside derby was a late kickoff at Anfield, and like last season, it was Everton who took all three points. Megan Finnegan scored the only goal rising to head home a corner. Liverpool did have a goal disallowed in the first half through Missy Bowkins, which Matt Bird was absolutely furious about. Both sides had plenty of chances, with both sides hitting the bar. For Everton, they continue their good run in this fixture and also pick up their few points of the first new season. David, the goal that Liverpool had disallowed, we have to talk about that. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, it was a difficult one because, you know, there there were uh, there was a little bit of ground between the the uh, between the two players. So, yeah, it's, it's it was one of those where you kind of think on another day that that probably would have been given, um, but you know it, it wasn't, and unfortunately, that's the way it goes sometimes. And frustrating as it is, Liverpool just have to pick themselves up and go again. Yeah, Everton have a good Scandinavian call with a good fighting spirit and that comes through in games like this, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think uh, I've been watching a little bit of Everton and uh, the other games they've played and they've created uh, they created enough goal chances to be able to, to actually win games, but it hasn't just really clicked for them. Um, I do think that Brian Sørensen has something good going on uh, at Everton with the way he have recruited players. Um, I know that uh, Scandinavian players like him. <laughs> He's a very popular coach, um, especially among the Danish national team players now. Uh, many of them have, have played for Brian uh, in, in their youth uh, careers uh, and I think that that in terms of that I also think that uh, looking at many other teams in the WSL it's nice to see that Scandinavian coaches uh, makes it uh, in the English league at the moment and it's I think it's also a good receipt uh, on what we're doing in Scandinavia uh, that 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 is actually good enough and and holds a great quality uh, also to be able to compete in the English league at the moment. Arsenal left it late at home to Aston Villa at the Emirates. Maz Pacheo gave Carla Ward's side the lead in the first half. The second half was one-way traffic and with 12 minutes of stoppage time shown, Arsenal needed only the first four to get in front. Katie McKay blasting home from a tight angle and then Alessia Russo scored her first Gunners goal to send Jonas Eidville wide on the touchline. David, that's a massive win for Arsenal, especially after their first couple of games, isn't it? Absolutely huge. Absolutely huge. They they really needed a, a good result like that because they haven't started the season well. I think the problem for me is that they made obviously a lot of play a lot of signings over the summer and brought a lot of players in. Um and I think they're still trying to find a way of balancing, you know, how to get best out of all of them, what the what the good combinations are, which combinations work in which games. It's going to take time. It always is when you have that that much turnaround in in squad depth. Um, so I, th- I think, much as Arsenal fans probably won't like me seeing uh, saying this, I think they just need a bit of time. Um, I think you know it's they they are one of those sides who are going to be kind of continually developing as the season goes on. Um, 
obviously going out the Champions League won't won't have helped matters in terms of, of perhaps some unrest at some of their, their recent results. But I think, you know, it, it was a big result. And th- again, they didn't play well on the day. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking earlier and I thought, actually, when you're picking up results like that without playing well, imagine what they can do when they do play well and when they do start to get those combinations working uh, efficiently. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those, it was a big result. They didn't play well. Did they deserve it? Don't know. Um, but they got the win. And that's all that matters at the end of the day is you get those three points. Yeah, and a huge boost for them. Beth Mead was back. It was her first game after being out for a really long time with an ACL injury. Some pretty sure as Idol pointed out post-match. That must be such a boost physically and mentally for Arsenal. Yeah, 100% it is to have her back. And you could see immediately from her impact, you know, getting on the ball, obviously assisting that last goal for Russo. Um, you know, that's what she'll bring, is that kind of little bit of quality when you need it. And that's what Arsenal have at the times been missing. Um, but it'll take time. I mean, um, he he won't throw her back in to do 90 minutes next time around. It'll be, because she's been out for so long, it'll be... 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, eventually it might do a half, might do this. Uh, eventually she'll start doing, you know, 80, 90 minutes or something. So, you know, Arsenal fans shouldn't expect that just because she's assisted a goal, she'll start the next one. She probably won't. It, it'll it come down to what she can manage, what Ida will uh, think she can manage. And, you know, we'll go from there. But it's really good to see her back. And on the other hand, Villa, they've lost three out of three now. Do you think they should potentially start being worried? Um... Yes and no. Um, I think, you know, given their, the way they played last season and obviously their aspirations for this season, perhaps they need to just, perhaps, you know, have a slight eye on the, the results and just maybe go back to basics a little bit, um, see what's been going wrong and just just try and do the simple things. Um, at the same time, I think, you know, they, they overachieved last season. No one expected them to do what they did. So at the same time, you know, perhaps perhaps last season was a really really positive thing for them and maybe this season it's just not quite clicking yet but I wouldn't be too worried about Villa um I don't think they'll be anywhere near the relegation zone because they've got far too much quality for that so yeah it'll be one of those where Carla Ward's a great manager really rate her and I think eventually they'll just start to turn things around and when they do they'll they'll start to go on a bit of a run Mia for Villa to take that next step do you think they need to just turn their draws into wins because they've lost three out of three now, do you think they need to turn that into wins and draws instead? Well, that that's obvious if if they're gonna um, score points in the league. But I do also think it's it's very important to actually mention that Aston Villa they overperformed last season. Um, I mean. Obviously, Rachel Daly is a great player and and a massive goal scorer and also a player that can make a difference, uh, which she really did. But uh, I do think that that as a team, Aston Villa really overperformed last season. And this season, like David, David says, I'm not worried about them being relegated or anything because they are too good for that. But I think this is the more realistic uh, performance you can expect uh, from this squad um, so it's going to be interesting to see where they go from here because also I mean m- like like mentally how do they take their last season performance into this season uh, are they thinking that they are better than they are and well, well you, you know the drill but 
Uh, I think Aston Villa will will start to to win uh, and get the draws they need uh, to be able to stay in the in the women's super league next season as well. So I'm I'm excited to see what Carlo Ward uh, makes of this. Spurs' good start to the season continued as they came from behind to win at Brighton. The hosts had taken the lead early in the first half through Elizabeth Turland's header. However, Tottenham equalised just before the break when Martha Thomas reacted quickly to drive home a rebound after Drew Spence's shot hit the woodwork. It looked like the two sides would not be separated in tight second half, but with nothing seemingly on, Clinton drove in a stunning effort from more than 25 yards out to put them ahead. Rhea Percival then wrapped up the win deep in stoppage time, firing in from inside the area with the hosts committing players forward in search of an equaliser. Brighton have now lost their home games in the WSL this season, having been beaten by West Ham in the last Amex fixture. But for Tottenham, this is their second successive victory as they moved up to fourth in the table. Brighton, meanwhile, are at ninth. David, quickly on this one, although it's early days, I think that most people expected the roles to be reversed in terms of placings for those two, didn't they? Yeah, and I, I think that's probably fair given what Spurs did last season. But I do think they made a really good managerial appointment. Um, I'm probably going to pronounce this really badly. I'm sorry, Mia, because I know he's Swedish. But Robert Villaham, is that right? Villaham? Who, uh, and, and I watched a lot of him at BK Hecken, I think, yeah. Um, so I watched a lot of a lot of them last season, and he has a really kind of good style of play, which I think I'm expecting to see at Spurs, and I am seeing at Spurs. So I think that's kind of really helped. And and the signing of Zhang Linyan for me, she was exceptional at the World Cup. I'm really excited to see what she can do in the WSL. I think she's the perfect player for his system. So yeah, for me, I think Spurs have just got the the key decisions right. Brighton made a lot of signings. Got some key players in Mackenzie Hawksby is a really exciting player. I do like her. Watched a lot of her at Sydney last season. Um, for me, I think they just need to just find their rhythm, but I think they'll get there. Uh, Melissa Phillips is a great coach. Um, so, yeah. Mia, what's your perspective on the new manager for Spurs? Well, this is very interesting because... We can we can look at Beko Hecken here in Sweden because when when Robert Willeham came in to take over Beko Hecken, who is the top team in in the Swedish league, Dalman Svenskan, uh, the first six months uh, he didn't do well uh, with Beko Hecken uh, because he he to me uh, a coach that comes uh, from the men's side can't just come into the women's side and expect to just copy paste their playing styles, their philosophies, their playing identity um, that they want to apply on, on a team. And it took Robert Willeham uh, a couple of months to to get the knowledge he needed to be able to win games in the Swedish league. Uh, and to me, um, that he was appointed uh, as a coach for Tottenham, it, it didn't surprise me because he is a good coach. But what he's doing with Tottenham at the moment is, is, is evidence um, of the fact that he actually knows what he's doing now uh, because he knows the women's game. Um, and I think he will do really well uh, looking forward. And I'm, I'm also very excited to see what he can do because obviously he... Um, he signed uh, last season's uh, MVP in Sweden, Olga Atinen, uh, who is a very good midfielder. Uh, her passing foot uh, and her ability to 
to act as a box box to box midfielder. I think he likes that style uh, of play, uh, and and that will make Tottenham a more playing style uh, team. Like they 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 will want possession now, not just defend and and counter attack. And I think I think for a team like Tottenham, uh, Robert Villahan will probably do very good things. Uh, also, again, uh, the third Scandinavian coach in in the WSL. Um, so what could possibly go wrong? Into the championship, Southampton are back top on goal difference after a 2-1 win over Durham at St Mary's. Rihanna Dean had opened the scoring 15 minutes in before Eleanor Ryan Doyle equalised right on half-time but in the fourth minute of stoppage time. In the first half-time, Dean added a second and that's how it stayed. Sunderland a second on goal difference. Their great start to the season continued as they beat Reading. Ellen Jones, Elizabeth Ajupi and Katie Kitchen scored for Mel Ray's side with Freya Gregory pulling a goal back for Reading. Elsewhere, Crystal Palace moved into third as Annabelle Blanchard's hat-trick put them on the way to a 6-1 win over London City Lionesses. There were four different scorers for Birmingham in their 4-0 win away at Sheffield United. Gemma Lawley, Martha Harris, Louise Quinn and Remy Allen on the mark for the Blues as they are now finally looking, starting to look upwards. Blackburn's good early season form has disappeared after their 1-0 defeat to Charlton now means that that's three defeats on the bounce in all competition for Simon Parker's side. The bottom two met in Hertfordshire as Lewis picked up a vital three points to move level on points with hosts Watford. Cara Hamilton then put the Sussex side in front. Former Crystal Palace striker Bianca Baptiste equalised but an 88th minute winner by Grace Riglar means it's tied at the bottom. In the National Leagues, the North Division saw Newcastle drop points for the first time this season as they drew 0-0 at home to Burnley. It still means, though, that Newcastle are 20 league games unbeaten and lying third in the division. Burnley are top seven points clear, but having played three games more than the Geordies. The other two games saw Derby County win 4-0 at Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest win 5-0 at home to Liverpool Feds. Just two games in the South saw Portsmouth go above Rugby Borough into second place after a 3-1 win at Plymouth Argyle. Hashtag United remains top and Cardiff City drew 1-1 with the newly promoted Chatham Town. In Division 1 South West, it's eight wins out of eight for Bournemouth as they won 3-2 at Swindon and another team with a 100% record are Exeter City. But they have played a game less. They won 6-1 at Southampton Women, who are a different team to the top of the one at the Championship. AFC Wimbledon are looking to go one better this season after being pipped by Hashtag last season. They currently sit top of the South East Division with a 4-0 win at Haywards Heath. In the Midlands Division, it's recently relegated Loughborough Lightning, who will lead the way there. And in the North, it's Barnsley, who are three points clear after winning away 2-1 at Hull City in the top of the table clash. Other news this week saw Jose Vilda appointed as the Women's Moroccan National Team Manager. He replaces Renald Pedros, who helped Morocco qualify for their first Women's World Cup in 2023 and guided them to the last 16 where they lost to France. The Moroccan Federation thanked Pedros for the work he accomplished, especially their qualification to the second round of the World Cup. Mia, this news has been met with much widespread criticism across social media. Do you think it's fair to say that Morocco just haven't read the room here? (laughs) I think they have done, actually. I just think that the they don't care. Um, I think it's so easy for us um, in our part of the world and in Europe to think that uh, 
equality and the way women are treated and the way women's sports are looked at. Uh, I think this is uh, this is a, a, an event that should make us very aware of the fact that uh, the rest of the world it, they don't think like us, um, and uh, it's quite worrying um, in in so many ways. This uh, I think it's also a very dangerous uh, appointment in terms of the fact that this actually tells people like Jorge Vilda and probably many other uh, people in the Spanish Federation that okay we couldn't do do it here but we can go there uh, because they uh, they don't think that we do wrong things and uh, and and so on and so on but to me this is like I, i'm not even i can't even speak about this because this is so to me it's shocking and and it's like you said okay haven't they read the room uh, but to me it's like okay they have read the room and they still uh, go ahead with this and i'm very glad that luis cortez uh, the former barcelona head coach and uh, now ukrainian women women's team head coach uh, turned the opportunity down to go to the moroccan federation when he heard that Jorge Vilda was a part of the plan uh, th that is an action uh, that speaks um, and and he should get so many hand claps for that yeah and it'd be interesting to see the reaction of some of the players as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, obviously. And and also in terms of the fact that it would be interesting to see if the players are aware of what has happened in Spain, because that's not all that's not um, clear as well. We don't we don't know that. Uh, also for us it's very clear because we probably follow media and and the European teams have uh, taken a stand together when playing in the Nations League. I mean, Sweden played Spain and they they manifested together, but we're not even sure that the Moroccan play, Moroccan players have, have seen it. Uh, do they know who Jorge Vilda is? I hope they do. Uh, but also, I think it's scary because I don't think that they have the same tools uh, and platform uh, to do anything about it. But... Let's see. David, what was your perspective on it? I thought it was an interesting call, uh, to be honest, to appoint him. Um, and interesting in a, in a, in a disappointing way. Um, yeah, I mean, all the stuff that's been going on, you, you would think someone would, as you say, read the room and, and they clearly didn't. So it's, it's disappointing. Yeah. Do you think this sets quite a dangerous precedent moving forward? In a way, yeah, yeah, it does. Um, anything, anything can happen now, can't it? If if we've got this and just yeah, and yeah, I don't know. On another note, you wrote a piece recently about the conclusion of the Icelandic lead. It's not a league that we're familiar with on the podcast, so I'm happy for you to tell us more about that. Yeah, it's it's a really exciting league. I do I do enjoy watching the uh, the best of Dale uh, Kavena. Um, and there's some really good teams in it. Bradeblick, obviously, uh, Champions League um, watchers will be familiar with them. Stjarnan as well, and Valor, and, and Valor were the ones who won the title, and, and I wrote about them. And, and they play a really expansive style of football, which I really enjoy watching. They use the wings a lot. It starts from the back, um, 
with their back four and then it sort of spreads out and and it really enables them to use all the pitch um, and it means that when they get the ball into uh, tight spaces in the middle then they can just move out to the wings they can stretch their opponents out and they just create those gaps um, and their defensive line is really really rigidly set as well so yeah I mean the Icelandic league is I highly recommend watching it it's a really exciting league and um, yeah yeah it's it's balladed really well and, and they won the league by I think three or four points so yeah good result for them that's it for today so thank you David and me for coming on to the podcast and a heads up that you can join our fantasy women's super league by going to fantasywsl.net and use the code TWFP don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via all good podcasting platforms and give us a follow on twitter at TWFP1 on an instagram it's the women's football podcast thanks guys The Women's Football Podcast, in partnership with Her Game 2.